Welcome everyone to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I am Paul Neefer, your host. And today we're going to have a conversation with Chris Barron from uh, AgView Solutions. And we're going to discuss uh, sort of the trends, uh, both historical trends on, on return ROI, and then uh, sort of the trends that we're going to see for 2023. But Chris, how's, how's the weather in uh, northeastern central slash Iowa? Uh, it's pretty good uh, if you like cold and, and snow, I guess. I don't know. It's, you know, as we record this, we <clears throat> about a week or so ago, we had those really warm temperatures and stuff and got soil temperature up into that 60 degree range. And so we rolled on putting a lot of soybeans in and we put some corn in too, um, just because the conditions were so good. But we did shut everything off. Um, about uh, a day or so before the weather was going to turn cold on the advice of uh, our agronomist, uh, you know, shut shut things off and let let that first drink of water be warm and and uh, don't plant into the, those cold, wet conditions. And so looks to me like it's going to be a while before we get rolling here again. But uh, all in all, we're in pretty good shape and uh, we can plant a lot in a hurry when the weather does straighten out. Well, and we were talking offline. I mean, last year you really didn't plant much until mid-May, so we're already two or three weeks ahead of that uh, structure, and the yields ended up being pretty good. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as long as it starts warming up and Mother Nature does its job, uh, uh, we're still going to be in good shape. Yeah, for sure. You know, we we uh, I think last year it was the middle of May before we really planted anything in our our area you know you start giving up yield on corn after about the 10th of may in our geography and and so you want to want to try to have the corn in by then if you can and but we still did have a really a good crop in 22 even though we planted late it just just was wetter and then soybeans we definitely gave up some yield in 22 because of the later planting i mean um if you're going to air with soybeans you definitely want to air on the side of early with those, at least in our experience and in our region, for sure. Yeah. Well, and Chris, uh, you've worked with a lot of farmers over the last, oh, 15, 20 years, and you've sort of developed a uh, sort of a chart showing for your group of farmers and about how many farmers would be in that group. So, you know, we've we've worked on Profit Manager with, with several hundred producers. Um, at any given time each year, we'll aggregate um, as we do on farm meetings. We'll start to aggregate a given year. So after a bit here, we can discuss, you know, kind of what we're seeing for 2023 coming on board. But um, over the last 10 years, it actually started kind of aggregating it in about 2012. That was that drought year. And we started just kind of, you know, aggregating because we had enough producers in there and and you know it varies you know from one year to the next depends on who we can get to send us their their numbers and obviously we leave them anonymous but um you know it's somewhere in that 60 to 70 operations um across the corn belt um we blend in some of the north dakota and south dakota guys though with some of the illinois for example and their their numbers are significantly different but it's interesting to look at the aggregate and you know you look at a producer in the center part of uh, illinois let's say and in, in kind of the sweet spot you know that champaign urbana area or something where you know if those guys aren't getting 200 and 
30 bushel of corn, they feel like it's a, you know, it's a crop <laughs> failure and, yeah. you know, and, and you can, you can be up in North Dakota and, and, you know, you're, you're dealing with a hundred bushel less. And I think sometimes people wonder, well, how do how do, how do they make that work if they can only grow 120 bushel corn or whatever? Well, it's all relative, right? You know, your, your cost production, your land cost, your machinery spread out over the acres and, and, all of those things are all sort of relative, you know, the, the seed companies all have regional pricing, which I know frustrates some people, but you know, if you're, if, if you're selling, selling seed and in, in to a producer, that's going to be able to grow 230 bushel corn versus a producer that's only going to be able to yield 120 there, there are price parameters that, that are feasible or not feasible there. And, and so it's all relative, but putting those numbers together is interesting because it, it does give us some, perspective and we can kind of talk through what we've seen from 2012 to, to 2022 and, and and then jump into 23. Well, let's let's start with corn because it seems like we always, uh, uh, you know, corn is still the king of the crop, so to speak. But uh, uh, speaking of 2012, it looks like looking on the chart that I have here, which the viewers are, I mean, the listeners don't see, but it had the largest ROI back in 2012. Why don't you go through those numbers for our listeners out there? Yeah, so so what we've got is just some aggregate from 2012 to 2022. In 2012, absolutely right. I mean, for both corn and soybeans, it was it was the highest ROI that I'd ever seen to that point. Um, you know, I had another 10 years out in front of that. They just didn't aggregate prior to 12 like I have here. And so obviously that was a kind of a windfall year for a lot of producers, even though the yields were crappy for many, um, the insurance indemnity payments were so large that it put a lot of people in the black. And then, yeah. and then the other thing that helped, you know, we, we, we got, uh, you know, eight something corn, um, not everybody sold eight something corn. Most people sold, you know, high sixes for averages or whatever, but you know, the, that high high price with the indem indemnity payments that fall price came in it really kicked out a lot of revenue and so that's partially why and then the interesting thing though is if you look at 2013 when we came off of 2012 we had such a profitable year there were still some inventory bushels that didn't get sold for tax reasons there were um there were dollars and cents that essentially carried over into 13. Um, so it made 13 sort of like a pseudo profit year. In other words, you know, 13, I don't think anybody, you know, I shouldn't say anybody, but it was hard to make money in 2013 because, um, you know, the commodity prices came down significantly lower your insurance indemnity level. And I don't have that right in front of me, but your, your insurance number was significantly lower. Yeah. But we had spillover effect, right. From a cash standpoint, we, we had, what I call spillover. Um, 2014 was uh, some decent yields for a lot of our clients. And so we saw corn with about a 15% ROI that year. Um, the, the, the scary ones though was, was 2015, 16 and 17. Yeah, yeah. We saw a lot of farm operations really that should have been in the red and, and by saying should have been in the red would have been in the absence of government um, payments, um, insurance indemnity, um, along the way, because our, our average was, you know, sub 3%, those three years in a row. Um, we saw a lot of, a lot of 
um, working capital burn. Um, a lot of just a lot of operations were in the red. I mean, this is an average, so you know we're looking at 15 was was two percent and. 16 was like a half a percent ROI and 17 was like 2.2. And so those three years collectively were really hard on the average crop operation, um, significantly hard on them. I mean, it just ate up a ton of working capital. And then 2018 was a little bit better in our average. Again, you know, you could find somebody that lost money in 18. You find somebody that made a bunch of money in 18, but 18 overall, 2018 uh, yields were decent. Um, in some areas, it was a record soybean yield um, in 2018. Um, prices weren't where people wanted them, but but the yield, um, both in 2018 and 2019, the yield sort of, they out yielded their cost production. If they wouldn't have had the bushels, I think we'd all been in the red, but yeah. there were enough, you know, enough bushels there. And then the interesting part starts when Trump gets elected <laughs> and the we see the Trump bucks and and also COVID sort of at the same time. I mean, not calendar wise exactly the same time, but those things all sort of happened at the same time. And so we saw, you know, the the CFAP money we saw. Well, in 18, we saw the soybean money come in, too. I can't remember. What was that it, called? Paul? MF, MFP, the market facilitation program. Yep. And that was that was um, that was paid out quite a bit more on soybeans. Yeah. And so we saw that lift the soybeans up to to making about the same amount of money as corn, where otherwise if that facilitation payment would wouldn't have been there. I think corn would have would have knocked the the door off of soybeans profitability that year but but that kind of fixed the soybeans and it started to heal some people <clears throat> and then and then the the you know the trade war began and um or or continued I should say it and again it began when they were paying the MFP out but the covid thing all of a sudden PPP and some of those other ad hoc I would call them I guess is probably the right term payments that started to come to us um, really started to shore things up. And then um, in 2021, um, well, let me back up in 20, we saw, you know, profitability levels, you know, well over 10% on average um, ROI. And then in 21, it got even significantly better across the board on average, because we saw, um, you know, the spillover of the profitability and the in the income from again, from PPP and CFAP and all this other stuff that that was being paid out, and we had a really good crop. Um, yeah. Most of the operations listening, some of them that are in the drought zone are sitting there going, "No, we didn't." And I get that, but <clears throat> from what we've seen, you know, the insurance indemnity is still kind of keeping those guys somewhat whole. And and in the areas where it was good, it was like way good. Then you fast forward to 2022 we had a huge price increase. And and we really had that in 21 too. A lot of people took advantage of that. It's just that a lot of people sold too early in their minds, but still had a really good average price with a good crop. Same thing in 22. Um, again, with the exception of the drought zone and stuff, those areas were significantly um, lower, but on the same token, it was significantly higher where it was good. It was, it was, Fabulous. I mean, we had some some operations that were making a forty percent ROI uh, for the year, and 
um, and, and a fair amount of them. Um, and then um, fast forward to 2023, and we can d dive into that in more detail, but 23, we're projecting right at just shy of a 10% ROI for the, you know, corn, soybean, wheat type producer, the real crop operation in general uh, is, is coming in. It's not uncommon when we sit down with a farm operation, we run their numbers and look at it. It's, it's, you know, um, that 10%. One which other is, thing I'd go ahead. Paul. I was going to say, which is still a, an okay return. It's just not as good as we've had the last couple of years. Yeah. And, and, and that's what, it's a good comment because, you know, if you, if you think about it, you know, with government and insurance indemnity payments um, over the course of the last 10 years that I just described in the absence of all of that stuff, in other words, you know, CFAP, MFP, COVID money, PPP, insurance indemnities, any of that stuff, CRP, those types of things. If you, if you remove all that, um, you're looking at our our average client would have made over the course of those 10 years a 6.4% return on investment um, on corn and about a 5.1% on soybeans. And when you look at all those other dollars and cents that came in, it's about 14% on corn and about thir just shy of 13% on soybeans. And so it shows you sort of how important the insurance um, indemnities are and that coverage level, how critical that is. And then, you know, some of those ad hoc things, you know, you can take it or leave it. I mean, obviously we had to take it and, and we needed yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but on the same token, you know, I think we got to be thinking about that in the future and saying, okay, how, how are our entities structured? What's this new farm bill going to look like? And what do we need to do to make sure that we are eligible for whatever payment, uh, you know, whatever payments are available? Because, you know, th there's a significant difference. I mean, you're talking double the income yeah, um, yeah. in the absence of, of those other support systems. And so I think it's, it's just pretty critical, at least be aware of that. Well, and, and you know, I'm looking at your uh, chart here and you, you had a note that, uh, Every year since 2012 through 22, you know, we either had a government payment or some type of crop insurance payment and you'd put down except for 2022 because I think most of your um, people in the database really weren't affected by the drought as much as, you know, some other people. But there's quite a few people in 2022. They got a pretty healthy ERP payment. You know, they might have gotten right. 125,000 for 2020. 125,000 for 21, which is really related back to that 2020 and 21 crop, but they received it in 2022. Right. <clears throat> the other thing I did in this data set too, is I excluded the dairies that we work with because they, you know, it's like, how do you, how do you allocate that correctly yeah. or appropriately? Because a bunch of that had to do with the dairy. And so what I was trying to do is just make sure that we were looking kind of looking apples to apples comparison. So I had to throw a bunch of them out because they had even more money <laughs> brought yeah. in. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, it had to do with other, other situations that weren't directly correlated to the row crop side of the equation. Well, now we're coming up on the 23 crop, which is either in the ground or going to be in the ground fairly soon. And we're back to maybe, not necessarily a normal return, but a more normal return than the last couple of years. 
what are some of the key trends that you're seeing on the 23 crop compared to the 22 crop? Yeah, that's a, a good question. Um, I would say there's really four mentionables that are really key. And I'll just, I'll rattle through what our, you know, in Profit Manager, we use we use um, specific categories. I'll rattle through them quick and then I'll come back to the four. But, you know, return to management is is our number one line item that we look at, which just to define return to management, that's all your overhead expenses. So it's, you know, it's pay, it's turning the lights on. It's your gas for your wife's vehicle that gets paid for by the farm or whatever. You know, it's all those those extra things that the farm ends up paying for. Um, and then you've got land, you've got uh, taxes, you know, and, and by taxes, I mean property taxes on the, the land and facilities. Um, interest, which is, well, that, that might be one measurable we'll hit on in a second too. Um, crop insurance, uh, seed, fertilizer, nitrogen, herbicides, fungicides and insecticides, um, machinery and equipment, um, which is all inclusive in there with repairs, fuel, all that stuff is in the equipment category. And then um, grain handling, drying expense. And then we also have a category for for storage and, you know, in the event that people have uh, principal and interest payments on storage facilities or commercial storage. And then also irrigation and tile um, for those that, that have to manage the water side of the equation. So with that said, those are our our primary categories that we look at. And so the four mentionables are first off would be uh, return to management. And that return to management numbers, interesting. Last year, it was up 20, almost 23%. Um, a high percentage of that, I think, was due to inflation. And a small percentage of it was due to more spending. So like, if you make, if, if you're, if, if you make more money, um, Paul, what's your wife do? It, it, she, she spends it. So <laughs> <laughs> right, now we're not yeah, throw, so, we're not throwing the wives under the bus here, Chris. Let's just no. <laughs> well, well, what's the guy do if if the guy makes more, you know, or the the primary operator makes more money? What do you do? They, they're going to spend it. You spend more. It's just human nature. It's not picking yeah. on anybody. We all do it. I'm guilty. You're guilty. We yeah. all are. Yeah. And so it's just a matter of admitting it and understanding what is that number. And so, you know, Shay did a really good job of putting together a budget tool, annual budget tool that we've been starting to use with people to kind of figure that out even even a little bit more granular. But when we look at that this year, last year, like I said, it was just shy of 23 percent. This year it's at 19.7 percent. Yeah. It's the first time since I've been doing this that I've seen two years in a row with a, that high of an increase. I mean, that's I mean, you're talking 40% over the last, you know, probably inside of a, a two and a half year window of increased spending. And, and this year, I would say it's about 50-50. And that's purely a guess. It's not scientific. I'm just saying that based on sitting at, at the, at the, you know, conference table with farm operations that, that are executive minded and really have their numbers dialed in, it looks to me like, you know, we're spending a little bit more. There's that extra vacation, you know, the you're updating the kitchen or you're remodeling something or buying that extra whatever. And the inflation was about another, probably another 10 or 11%, it looks like, this year, whereas last year it was about 14 15% last well, year. The, of. And the key with that, Chris, is once that, return to management goes up, it, it's hard for it to go back down. I mean, fertilizer yes. goes up and it comes down, 
but you know with that, that once you sort of bake in that uh, hey we're going to take this amount of money home each year it, it's tough to cut that it's a sticky numbers kind of what we call it to exactly what you just said because in that return to management it's it's owner draws or owner payroll and um you know your employee payroll as well and if you start paying somebody 10% more, 15% more, whatever it is, you're not going to cut their wages. You know, that doesn't, yeah. it's just almost impossible to do that. And so, you know, that 19% basically equals um, $15.77 an acre increase. And last year was, it was a little higher than that. It was about 17 or 18 bucks an acre increase. So you start adding that up. I mean, you're talking over $30 an acre increase just in that single category. So yeah. that's why that one is a mentionable and, and sort of a big deal. Um, the other one is land. Um, this year, we've seen land go up year over year from last year, 14.6%. Um, um, it sounds crazy, but it's up about 41 bucks or 42 bucks an acre. Yeah. Um, it's It just is. That's what it is. And, you know, people don't like to hear it. You don't like to talk about it unless you're just a landowner and, you know, but you know, the, the thing of it is what goes up sort of must come down. And that one's a sticky one too, typically for about three years. You know, if, if the commodity price goes down next year, good luck getting the land rent to go down next year is probably going to be a little bit the following year, a little bit more. And it takes about three years to get it back down to where it needs to be. A lot of times that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try and we shouldn't do a good job of communicating that. <clears throat> you know, on those rented acres. But part of that cost, though, is not just rent increase. It's also some of the operations we work with bought farmland. And none of that farmland was very cheap. No. And so because of principal and interest payments going up, that elevated that number some too. So it wasn't just rent. It was it was some land purchases in that equation. So those are just some of the things that we've observed. Um, I guess the the next mentionable is fertilizer. Um, and that that's an interesting one too because last year the people who prepaid got it significantly cheaper. This year, in other words, in 20 as we record this in 2023, the people who prepaid are paying more than the people who are just buying it, you know, as, as, as you they know, need it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so you know what I noticed though. And I've, I've only been able to do this with about six or seven of them where I've been able to like take the, the prepay operations versus the going to pay it when I use it operations. And they're paying almost identical over the two years. So in other words, just because you're paying more this year because you had prepaid, let's say you prepaid for 32% and it's, you know, it's 40% cheaper now. Well, you saved that last year when you bought it prepaid. So you're averaging out about the same as as the other people that didn't prepay and are going hand to my own. It's it's about the same. So I mean we haven't really seen that be a huge deal, but it it sort of is. I mean we've seen some people trim their usage of fertilizer a little bit too to kind of soften that number. I just always am like really hesitant of that, or you just want to be super careful. You're not you're not giving yourself a haircut when you do that on yield, you know, so. Right, right. Because um, the key is he, still, you want to get that yield times your price. I mean, uh, that's that's the key to making money on this, uh, on the farming operation. 
right? Because anything that either enhances or increases yield, you really don't want to cut back on. It doesn't mean you go crazy on those line items, but you also need to be really careful not to not to cut them. Um, the other the other mentionable is machinery and equipment, and that one's interesting because it's it's up about 18% from last year or $17 an acre on average. And that's a lot of people are, are what I would call in catch-up mode, um, not Heinz catch-up, but like catching up on purchasing. <laughs> you know, it's like we, we um, you know, we saw that window from 2013 to 2019 not be very profitable. And so a lot of people were trying to keep their powder dry to the best of their ability. And it was limiting the ability for a lot of people to update equipment. And so now they're, they're in catch up mode from, you know, it's kind of started in 2020. And so between 2020, 21 and 22, um, according to our data, um, cause we track new purchases of machinery and equipment, regardless of color. Um, what we see is, is, uh, right at a 14 percent um price increase each year not all the way in 2020 but we saw it in 21 and 22 so in other words from 20 to the end of 2022 we saw machinery and equipment inflation go up 31 percent yeah yeah Um, what does it look like for 23 right now um it looks like probably about another seven percent based on what we're seeing right now and i'll be smarter on that when we get further into the year because a lot of people have stuff on ordered, but we don't actually have the like the hard dollars and cents. I mean, we get that when we're filling profit manager out and doing their, you know, what's the value of those machines versus, you know, the the older machine that the, that's replacing it. And then we can take those numbers and kind of back into the increase right. um, on the farm. But but yeah, that new machinery and equipment increase is uh it's a huge deal. I mean, 30, 30% in essentially three, less than three years. I mean, about two and yeah. a half years, we saw a 31% inflation. And the one thing that I would say on the machinery, we all need to be super careful of is, you know, we think our cost of production is lower than it really is once we're done with principal and interest payments on, on equipment items. And really it isn't, you know, if you're going to continue to farm, you, you need to be factoring in inflation and depreciation as part of your expense on the equipment and factor that as part of your cost of production. And I, and too often I see people will be like, well, with all my payments and everything, my cost of production's 492 or whatever. Well, that's great. But if you're going to replace some machinery in a couple of years and you're not doing it now, that money's going to have to come from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a real cost. Yeah, it is. And and just because you're not writing a check for it doesn't mean you won't write a check or you you're going to write a check for that. It just might be two or three years down the road. So, you know, why not factor that in, in the current year that you're in when you're making those marketing decisions and, you know, um, <clears throat> it's not uncommon for us to see, you know, on a cost per bushel, you know, maybe it's another 15 or 18 cents a bushel is truly your cost production. If you're going to, if you're going to consider depreciation and inflation on on just corn, for example, and you need to calculate it for each of your crops, but that's what we do with profit management, not a commercial, but I mean, 
that's what we have to look at. And I don't care how you do it, but you need to know what your equipment fleet is not only costing you, but what's it going to cost you to stay current, you know, is really the key. Um, one other one, if it's all right, I want to throw out there too, is um, insurance. Mm -hmm. um, if there was ever a year to buy the maximum level of insurance you could buy for most of your listeners, this was the year. Yeah. And by the, yeah. by by most of your listeners, I mean if the APH is is if you have a, a decent APH or or a you know a considerably good APH, you know, and and for that I mean you know your your APH is is right up there with what you actually can yield, because this is a year where if, if let's say the the fall price for corn and soybeans goes down, your yield guarantee goes up, mm -hmm. and and you know. We talked about 2013 coming off of 2012. Nobody wanted to sell 2012. Nobody wanted to sell six dollar corn for 20 or for 2013 when it was eight bucks. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. why would you do that? You know. Well, now look at 22 versus 23. We're in the exact 10 years later, and 23 sure looks to me like it rhymes a lot with 13. It's not yeah. recommendation and it's not a prediction. It's just there's a lot of similarities here, and I think we're gonna have to be super careful to make sure that we, you know, if you've got the insurance in place, thank God that you do. And then, you know, make sure that, that, you know, you stay current on this marketing um, because the, the crop we just, or that we're putting in here in 2023 is the most expensive crop we've ever put in. Right. Right. And we don't have the highest prices that we've ever had. I mean, uh, you know, it would be, 22 price is certainly better than 23 price. 2012 price was certainly better than 2013 price. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, that's, those are kind of the, the four. And, and I think that crop insurance is unmentionable, but, you know, I, I just encourage people to make sure that when you look at your line item expenses, you understand not only what is the cost per acre, but what is the cost per bushel? You know, it's so like when you buy your insurance, you know, if, if you, uh, you know, let's say you had to spend an extra 10 bucks an acre, that's, you know, what's that cost you per bushel? Not, not what's that cost, you know, it's 10 bucks an acre. Well, what's that cost per bushel? Because I think sometimes we look at what we write the check for when we buy certain things and we have to be careful to make sure we understand that it's looking at the cost per bushel and understanding the value of, of the things we're buying. Yeah, because like like you say, if if you're able to max out the crop insurance this year, uh, realistically, you've sort of locked in a profit. I mean, or maybe maybe not quite a profit, but you you certainly have probably have covered your your cost of production or come pretty close. Yep. Yeah, almost. I, I'd say. I mean, this isn't scientific. So this is a, an estimate. I don't have this exact number, but I'm just going to say it is that you know I would I would venture to say that. 90% of our clients that we work with are in a position where they shouldn't lose any money this year. They may not make much money if they don't take advantage of the marketing opportunities when they're there, but, but, you know, the downside risk because of the level of, you know, with, you know, corns at, uh, what was it? 592 and soybeans at 1376. So it's going to, it's going to give that corn and soybean real crop operation, um, a massive amount of security. Um, but, but the next thing a person has to do is, you know, you got to sell what you're going to produce too, you yeah. know, and that's where the margin comes in. That's where the profit comes from. Yeah. 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 
Well, Chris, anything else that you want to bring up? Uh, um, you know, we've sort of covered what the trend over the last 10 years has been, and we're looking at 2023. Anything else you'd like to go over today before we sign off? The only other thing I would say is, you know, the crop rotation decision is never done until the seed's in the ground. And so, you know, I just encourage people to make sure they're always running their side-by-side. -side. We we do have a side-by-side -side tool um, that you can, you know, we can share. I can send it over to you, Paul, and you could forward it on to people if they need to, you know, do a last minute, you know, analysis quick of, you know, corn versus soybeans or whatever um, crop they're thinking because, you know, just because it, the plan was X, Y, Z doesn't mean that it shouldn't be A, B, C instead, you know, or whatever. And last year was a prime example of that. You know, we saw a lot of people switch over to corn. Um, you know, what we're seeing is corn is significantly more profitable for the majority of the people. There's, there's uh, operations that are the exception to that. Um, but I think a person really needs to run those side by side and just make sure that, you're, you know, you're, you're doing everything you can to maximize profitability. Cause I think we're going to, one of these years, we're going to get into, into a zone that's going to be different than what we're, we've gotten accustomed to last couple of years. And, and when things get close to redlining, we want to do everything we can to, to maximize profit. Yeah. We, we don't want 2025, 26, 26 and 2027 to rhyme with 2015, 16 and 17. So that's, that's the key. <laughs> we want to try to make sure that we have our plans now so that that doesn't happen. Exactly. Exactly. Well, again, Chris, thanks a lot for sharing those numbers with us today. I'm, I'm sure maybe a few months from now, we'll have another conversation and see uh, how the trend for 2023 is looking. Yeah, that'd be great. We'll get a lot smarter when we, uh, after the crops in and guys get a little bit more marketed and we get the cost of production as an absolute. That'll help a lot. And we can, we can reconvene. Stay tuned. Okay. Sounds good. Again, thanks a lot, Chris. And this is yeah. the uh, Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. And I'm Paul Neifer, your host, signing off. How many years away is the long run for a farmer? Five years? 10 years? Top producers like Hans Reinchi, a blue diamond farming company in Jessup, Iowa, know RoboAgri Finance shares his enduring vision for the future. Whether it's building our grain site or if it's purchasing the next field, we're able to turn to Robo as a trusted partner to help us get financing to make those generational decisions. With unmatched financial capacity, local relationship managers, and a global network of sector experts to offer market guidance, RoboAgri Finance provides enterprising farmers with a personalized approach to lending and financial services. Growing a better world together, RoboAgri Finance.